on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Oh, you got some commits in the 2024 recruiting class in the National College Football Roundup. We give you some of the biggest stories going on in CFB right now, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download it and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, June 21st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of June, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this on Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, it is officially summer in Oklahoma. My goodness. She ramped up pretty quick, right? Your boy was sweating. Sweating. My son likes to spend a lot of time outside. Now he's in that phase. And Uh the the acclimation period is is still taking place. I went through about three or four shirts yesterday. It was brutal. It's going to be a dangerous week for uh for the summer workouts. Ooh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, because that- it, it went from being like the coolest, nicest early summer that we've had in a while to a sauna. Not a whole lot of transition time. Yeah, and that is typically when that happens. That wasn't something. Did you ever have the afternoon workout time? Well, yeah, when I was... I had it when I was a freshman and maybe sophomore, but I don't think sophomore. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have it till later in my career. Right. I always had the early time you get there. You we were kind of in the five fifty group. Mm-hmm. Just I think my first three years. And then but there was one summer kind of later in my career where it was the lineman in the afternoon. Woo. Boy, let me tell you. Mm. So I, I don't know what the workout times are right now. I haven't asked. But if those big guys are in the afternoon, send send a few prayers up for those boys. That is that was a that that was a rough summer. Yeah, I've I almost felt bad uh my last I think it was my last two years, maybe even three. I almost felt bad for, you know, some teammates and everyone because I was in the eight AM group. 
which is perfect. You get you catch a little bit of, of the heat later, but get you don't have to wake up super early. It's like it's the perfect sweet spot. Yeah, that's where you want to be. That is where yeah. you want to be. All right, let's get to the OU football stuff. And wanted to start here. So Derek LeBlanc, we talked about it last episode that he had entered the transfer portal and mentioned, hey, he's got a situation at home, wanted to get closer to his family. And he announced that he's going to transfer to UCF, which he's from Kissimmee, Florida. Orlando's right there. Makes all the sense in the world. But I saw that and I was like, good for him. And then it clicked. Oklahoma plays UCF this season. <laughs> and that's still that's still taking uh taking me a little time to get used to, right? But they are on the schedule. And now I'm glad he found a landing spot and wish him success there, no doubt. But don't exactly love that he's landed somewhere that is on the schedule for Oklahoma in 2023. And once again, wish him all the luck of the world, but not exactly ideal. Yeah. Not ideal. Um, you know, if there's ever a position that you have to send to another team that you're going to play on the schedule, it would be a young defensive lineman. You know? <laughs> I, okay, let's, let's explain this. Interior defensive line is the simplest position when it comes to understanding the framework of a defense, right? You have to know the least. Typically the linebackers behind you are telling you what to do. That's typically how it goes. Like, and you have, you normally have only a few things you got to worry about, right? Freshman defensive linemen don't know shit. <laughs> That's right. They don't. Yeah. I mean, it, there, there's just no other way to put it. They don't know well, anything. They're just, they're just trying to survive, right? They're just they're just trying to keep the head above water. Yeah, like if a safety were to go, it's like, here's how we play the RPOs in three by one. Here's the adjustment we make in two by two. If this guy motions, here's how we fit this run. Here's how we play double post whenever we're playing quarters. Like you can you can get a lot of information. Now, sometimes even guys that know it all, it's hard to verbalize it and like get it all out there. But yeah, defensive linemen, when it comes to coverage and blitzes and stuff like that, you're typically probably not going to get a whole lot of info out of them. Yeah, but they know the calls typically. They can tell you how they play certain things. Now, once again, true freshman, he was an early enrollee. Know how much was he able to absorb? Who knows? But I know Gus Malzahn's going to find out, <laughs> right? Because quick little story, and I've told this story before, but I got cut by the Titans in 2015. Got claimed up by the Bills. We were playing the Titans in Week Five on the road in Nashville. That week, Rex Ryan came to me. He handed me three blank sheets of paper and said, "Write down everything you can remember about the Titans' offense." And guess what I did, Ted? I wrote it down. Everything. <laughs> Calls, snap counts, checks, audibles, everything I could think of. Route concepts, everything. And gave it to him. And I didn't even play in the game. In fact, I was inactive. But I was a captain for the game. And I ended up getting a game ball because we won. 
<laughs> nice. So awesome. that is, if you're saying, oh, well, Gus Malzahn and that UCF staff, they're not, they're not going to ask Derek LeBlanc to do that. They absolutely are. Everything he's got in his brain right now. I, I mean, I wouldn't even be shocked if you went through the spring game and said, okay, Hey, what's the call here? What are you guys doing? What are you thinking? Like walk me through everything. If you're Gus Malzahn and UCF, you're looking for any competitive advantage you can find when you have to come play Oklahoma. I, I, I'm sure that Derek LeBlanc has, has, has been getting interrogated or will be interrogated in the very near future. Oh yeah. I, that's a great word for it. When I was in Detroit, we, we signed a, a, a safety, really good special teams player from Minnesota uh, the week we were playing them. And our special teams coach, Chuck Prefer, who I believe is uh, the best who have ever done it, essentially put him in front of the entire special teams group and did a CIA-style interrogation about everything that they do on special teams. It's pretty funny. Love it. Yeah. So happy for LeBlanc. Happy that he's closer to the home with whatever he's got going on. Don't love that the Sooners are going to play them. Now, I'm not worried about it because OU's going to have better players than UCF. Right? That's just, I think that's a safe assumption. But, yeah, there may be some small tweaks, right? At, no one's going to know what LeBlanc knew, like his his wealth of knowledge when it comes to the defense, better than Todd Bates and Brent Venables. Like, how many mental errors did this guy make? What what did he really grasp in those couple months at Oklahoma? Those coaches are going to know better than anyone. But yeah, I'm just I when, when I saw the commitment announcement, I was like, oh boy, he's got he's about to get grilled by that UCF coaching staff because I've been in that spot. Now it wasn't in college, it was in the NFL, but also I had guys from the Titans tell me they had a bye week before that game, I think. It, that would have been too early in the season, but they they changed a bunch of calls because they're like Gabe's Gabe remembers everything. No one knew the offense better than me, and it, it which was true. I did, I knew it really really well. So they were changing all kinds of stuff, which that's an advantage. They had to spend time instead of practicing what they normally practice. They had to spend time learning new calls, learning new verbiage, because I, I was giving the Bills everything I had. Dad. That's great. No, that's uh, that's how it goes. You know, the, the I guess the extra layer is they're really going to be. I mean, obviously coming to the Big Twelve, UCF is they're going to be feeling the pressure and they're going to be turning over every rock and and all of those things. But you know, whenever they don't have a history of playing you, like they don't don't have a feel for your personnel, they don't have a feel for, you know, like even though a bunch of people kind of run the same offense and you may have played against a, a similar offense it's different like there's it, even though it's the same it's different every team's personality within a the same offense is different so they're going to be trying to get any anything they can any nuance they can even how they structure practice like all, all kinds of stuff yeah and hopefully does the you know men in black the little flash thing that erases yeah. the memory sure does that exist in real life do you think like the cia or fbi is there is there something similar probably not uh, well i think they're they're 
probably is, but I don't know if it's if if we'd have to travel to Panama to get it. Well, I think they just drug you. You know, I mean, okay. I'm sure well, that's how it's done. Not we're, we're going to disavow <laughs> drugging Derek LeBlanc. We're not going to do that. We'll just we'll just Welcome let him. Welcome to UCF, uh, Derek. Try this Gatorade. <laughs> it's our special. No, brand. but I, I think that I I am glad. I'm glad he ended up finding a landing spot there closer to home. We'll leave it at that. We'll see. Yep. Uh, I, I'm sure that Oklahoma's coaching staff will be. Will be savvy enough to make the proper adjustments when that game rolls around if they feel that it's necessary. All right. OU fans have been waiting for some recruiting wins, right? Champion barbecue took place. Hey, when are the commitments coming? When are the commitments coming? And couple rolled in on Tuesday. So James Nesta, which, first of all, just a fantastic name, 6'4, 210 pound linebacker out of the state of North Carolina. Committed to Oklahoma over Miami and North Carolina. Guy that is going to play football and baseball for the Sooners. So Skip Johnson doing his thing, helping out the football program. What do you think, Ted? I like it. First, let me say this. Nesta picked Oklahoma over Miami and North Carolina, as you mentioned. Both good baseball schools. Uh, Miami, I think, what well, they were in a regional or were they in a super – Anyways, North Carolina's had, uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good history in baseball. So, I, I think Oklahoma going to the SEC in baseball is having an impact because you heard like they're apparently there's there's starting to be a lot of smoke around what is it the Tatum kid the um, number one running back in the country right uh, out of out of Texas and. He's a dual sport player, and they're starting to think that they got a really good shot at him, uh, you know, because of the baseball stuff as well. So I think the SEC baseball part is is, is helping out on that end. As far as Nesta as a football player, I think he's he's got a great frame, 6'4", 210, you know, I, I easily be able to put on 25 pounds over time. Who knows how quickly it's going to happen. Um, runs well. He's aggressive, um, you know, physical player. I'll tell you, um, he is size-wise, he's really similar to where Stutzman was at the same time. Stutzman may have been five, eight pounds heavier at this point in his high school um, career because I think whenever he showed up, he was just under 230 pounds, like hot, 225, 228. So I kind of expect Nesta to be maybe in that same area. Unless like summer baseball, like I don't know what that does for like strength and conditioning because that's typically whenever you start to load on the the weight. I don't know how that works. Um, But I'd say Stutzman's a pretty good comparison. From what I saw, and, and this is a very limited amount. This is like, his posted highlights, right? So right. you gotta you gotta take take that for what it is. A lot of his playmaking came from being a stand-up edge rusher and running around guys on the outside, getting to the quarterback, creating havoc. That's not gonna be what he does here. Now we do get into that, you know, we'll stem to Bear and the Mike will be the outside edge player in Bear and kind of play that role, but it ain't going to look like it did in high school trying just running around tackles. So 
that's not, in my opinion, it's not a very good thing. It's not, you can see his playmaking Billy seed and run a little bit, but I think he's behind where Stutzman was as an inside backer. That doesn't mean anything as far as like his ceiling, probably very similar. I think they run similar. Um, I think they have similar amount of aggression in the way they tackle and the way they uh, make plays. I just think that Stutzman was a little bit ahead of the curve as far as inside backer play. So, I mean, that's just my, that's off of a highlight. Right. You know? Yeah, Which so. is really all we have to go off. And you know, I saw he did an interview with on three Nesta did basically he said, Hey, they're, they're telling me I'm going to be, I'm going to be a cheetah or possibly play some will linebacker. And when you hear a guy say that the coaches, they look at him and go, Hey, this is an athlete. that's got length and can run right in that cheetah position. We've talked about this in that, in the past, that cheetah position, like the role of who is in that position dictates how that position is utilized within Venable's defense. It's not, hey, this is the cheetah. This is what you do. It's a, He will build the structure of the defense typically around the skill set of the guy in that position or how that position is utilized based on his skill set. So if Nesta gets to 235 pounds or something like that, you may not expect to see him you know, playing a deep half safety, right? Which we've seen in the past with that cheetah spot. It may be more, hey, you're playing in kind of that apex role, more of where traditional, like you're in that nickel spot or you're in the run fit. But also, if he can be an edge player at points of time, like that creates a different versatility for that position and the way that Venables would utilize it. Yeah. No, there, there's no doubt. And I would tell every linebacker that I recruit, that we think you have a chance to play cheetah because it just sounds badass, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like we think you know, as athletic as you are, I think we could we could maybe see at that cheetah spot, and it's like, oh yeah, because it's all you know, it's kind of built up, it's got a it's got a cool name, it's you know, kind of in in some ways the centerpiece of of the defense. Um, but yeah, no, I I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, those guys are. I, I say I kind of explain this all the time, but you know, it's okay to have a refresher. Cheetah is Sam linebacker. Cheetah is the nickel. It's all the same exact position in the defense. You just have a different body type there. Sam linebacker, typically bigger, more physical guy, better against the run. Not as good in man-to-man against slot or even in some zone stuff where you got to carry verticals there on the inside. Uh, a nickel, a smaller guy, sometimes there's a corner. Typically in the NFL, that guy's played by a corner. Great in man-to-man. Can cover the slot all over the field. Can take him in motion. Uh, can run with verticals down the field. Good blitzing off the edge. Gives you a little quicker version. So, like, you can play different body types there. And it's all you're still in the same different uh, defense, but you can just change some calls depending on who you've got there. You know, it's it's you know it it helps you 
become more versatile as a defense and and be able to to give some offense different looks. So yeah, I, the more guys that you are able to play there that have a little bit different look and can do some different things, it changes it up on the on the uh, offense. Yeah, no doubt. All right, the other commit that the Sooners got, Dozy Ezukama, a 6'2", 180-pound, three-star wide receiver out of the Fort Worth area, committed to the Sooners. And if you're thinking, Ezukama, Ezukama, why does that sound familiar? That's because he's Eric Ezukama's brother. And Eric was a productive wide receiver at Tech that you and I both yep. like. You know, a guy had really good speed, and he was coached by Emmett Jones, who, of course, now is the wide receiver coach at Oklahoma, Ted, I'm sure you did exactly what I did. Watched his highlights, saw the name and went, Hey, brother was a fourth round pick. That ain't too shabby. I, I, I could see this guy really improving and becoming, you know, a, a really solid player at Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get stuck on the stars, right. And, Oh, why are we taking a, a three-star guy instead of a four-star? And I think, you know, Emmett Jones has done a really good job recruiting. And I I trust his evaluation, you know. Um, and I'm, I'm with you. Looks super smooth, uh, athletic, you know, doesn't, lo- doesn't look like he's um, – Doesn't look yeah, lanky. Yeah, right. You That's, know – a taller wide receiver coming out of high school, you're explaining, oh, he's going to be really skinny. He looks he looks like he had a brother that played in the NFL and maybe knew what he was doing when it came to working out as a football player, right? Yeah. That, that stuff right. helps. You know, some of the taller guys, whenever you see them coming out of breaks or when they're carrying the football and they're making a cut, you see the height kind of affect them, and there's a little bit of a delay there, and they're not – don't always stay in that good athletic position, you know, end up being way more upright, but you don't see that with him. He looks, he looks fluid. He looks explosive. And again, I'm, I'm going to trust him at Jones. Who's he's been nails since, uh, since he's had the job, he's done a really good, really good job so far recruiting. And sounds like, uh, the on the field coaching stuff has been great too. Yeah. And you look at does he has a comma six to 180. His brother at the NFL Combine was 6'2", So there's some room, right? And, and maybe that's not completely fair to compare him to his brother like that, but when you look at what Eric was as a player and just his frame and the amount of weight he was able to carry, you would expect Dozy to be able to add 20 pounds. Is that is that how you say his name? D-O-Z-I-E. It's got to be Dozy, right? As far as I know, yeah. I mean, there's no other pronunciation possible. No. Okay. I'm, I just don't think there's any other way to say it. We're keeping it. But <laughs> I, I do think that the family pedigree stuff, that matters, right? There, it, It's not a coincidence when you see guys, when, when you see Oklahoma or anybody recruiting guys whose dad played in played college or played in the NFL. This is a very similar situation with Azukama here and what his brother was able to do and the relationship with him and Jones, clearly a, a a big advantage for Oklahoma uh, when, when it came to being able to land his commitment. Yep. 
and I'm with you on the on the twenty pounds. Um, you know, a lot of times with guys like that, you see it. You, you have a little surge whenever they first show up. There's, you know, maybe I guess the timing depends a little bit, but I mean, he's probably a guy that'll get to at six two. Will probably got be a guy that gets to like 195 pretty quickly, and then you know the last five or 10 pounds of that comes a little bit slower, but you know, it's usually good weight. Um, you know, you expect at six two, 200 pound wide receiver. That's a pretty good size. That's, that's kind of, that's where you want to be. Yeah. We'll take as many of those yep. as we can get. Right. I, I think that, so I'm, I'm interested to see how he develops as a player, right? I really liked his brother yep. at tech. Yeah, you and I both did. So, uh, welcome to the family, the Ezekama family. All right, one last thing to hit for OU football. OU's twenty twenty five quarterback commit Kevin Sperry is leaving his high school in Texas and is making the move to Carl Albert for his last two seasons of high school football. Now, although part of me feels like this is a personal attack on the Bishop McGinnis Fighting Irish, I do think this is a good thing. Ted, we talk about we talk about it all the time. The importance of a quarterback taking that leadership role when it comes to building a recruiting class and developing those relationships with other recruits, bringing the class together. Well, now Kevin Sperry can make every OU home game. If they have a big wide receiver coming in town, he can make the drive to Norman. This this feels like it overall is a very good thing for OU's 2025 recruiting class. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And let me just say again, I've said it a bunch. I think he's going to be an amazing quarterback. He looks so good, uh, especially for his age right now. Yeah. You know, Carl Albert's a really good program. There's a lot of good players that come through there. Um, I think, you know, there's a pretty good relationship there between, um, you know, some of the coaches, offensive coaches at OU and Mike Dunn there at Carl Albert. So uh, I think it's just a really natural fit. And it feels like like the way this all happened came pretty quick, it sounded like. You know, Sperry came up to camp, was at camp here for what felt like three weeks, uh, you know, just kept doing every every different camp that they had. I guess his little brother was there too. And they told their parents, we're not, we don't want to come home. <laughs> we like and it here. We like it here. So they, you know, that next thing, you know, they're finding a place and, and here we are. It's uh, I think it's awesome. And I saw that Dylan Riola, number one recruit for the, for the 24 class is kind of doing the same thing and going to Georgia for his final year of high school ball, which, you know, it, kind of gives you uh, an opportunity to to get a little more ingrained with with the the culture and the program and and be closer there and continue to build relationships with the locker room and the coaching staff so i think this is going to be i it's it's not outlandish at all but i think it's going to be something that becomes probably more mainstream you think michael hawkins looks at this and goes do i need to do i need to move to oklahoma too you know, because it does feel, it, it does create, I don't know if advantage is the right word, but being able to be that close in proximity, right? 
and just being around the program, he's going to be a, be able to absorb quite a bit yeah. right? from the offense, getting to meet the other guys. Like the younger guys on the roster right now are going to be a bunch of guys that he's going to play with, right. When he gets to Oklahoma. So developing those relationships and those bonds, like that's, that's not insignificant. I do find it awfully, awfully interesting that he happened to land at a school that OU is targeting like five other guys on their roster, <laughs> which, hey, it is what it is, but you've got two 2025 wide receivers and Tristan Haynes and Trenai Washington. Uh, obviously, Xavier Robinson, the 2024 running back, is a guy that he is a stud, man. And he's a guy that a lot of people think is going to end up at OU. You've got Marcus James, the guy on the defensive side of the ball for Carl Albert. I've been hearing about these kids for a couple of years now, right? With them being here in the state. And I'm not sure if you can land them all, but it's like, hey, Kevin Sperry, go be essentially our Carl Albert recruiting coordinator. Get in there. Do your thing, man. We need you. Yeah, that's crazy. I kind of feel like Carl Albert should be bumped up to 6A this next season, right? Be fun to watch. Yeah, it. They're going to be loaded. They're going to be – they're always good. I mean, they're going to be incredible. So, no, nah, I think it's awesome. I, I got a bunch of tweets, people being like, oh, McGinnis, down bad, blah, blah. Listen, guess who was undefeated against Carl Albert in football? <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to hear it, okay? Nice. Okay, I know. I did. Listen, it's fine. Good luck to Kevin Sperry and Carl Albert. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys the most important thing that's happened these last couple of days for Oklahoma football. This first one's interesting. It comes from at PFF underscore drill, who says Williams Winery reportedly having a meh visit to Tennessee. Hmm. I, I don't know what to believe, you know? Yeah. That's the visit could be but... meh, and then Tennessee's collective could say, hey, when Eric come talk to us, you know, I, I, but I, I did, I saw that. I saw that on Twitter and, you know, the Twitter rumor mill was whirling, but this is a guy that is a top 10 player in his recruiting class. And a lot of people think Oklahoma has a tremendous chance to land him. So, he's a, well, I don't know. I guess all the rankings are different, but the one I saw yesterday, he's the number two player, right? Any yeah. number two player in the class. So that's, that's kind of my hesitation. How could the number one defensive lineman, the number two player in the entire number, class? 24-7 sports has him as the number three player in number the class. Three. Okay. How could he have a meh visit to Tennessee? I They're not stupid. You know they're rolling out the red carpet for players like that. I mean, it's just that's what schools do. So, I mean, maybe he just – he doesn't like it. Doesn't. I don't. I don't know. I can venture a guess. You're comparing it to Oklahoma, right? Yeah. You and I. What's the best way to put this? You and I have both spent a lot of time with Brent Venables, and with Josh Hype. They are very different people. It's true. When it comes to the sales pitch, so if he is a guy that really needs like that intense focus from the head coach needs to be loved on right that ain't hype 
Yeah, that's true. That's like Heupel is a, I mean, that it call him what you want. That dude is a straight shooter. And I, I'm sure he's changed a little bit now that he's a head coach, right? When I I knew him, he was he was a coordinator. But yeah, those are two very different personalities. And if you're a guy that needs to feel that, you know, overwhelming attention and love, probably more of a Venables guy than a Heifel guy. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But I I hope he had a a lackluster visit to Tennessee. And I guess I don't know, the new news on him is what maybe he's taken what is it like an impromptu visit down to not an official down to Georgia, but maybe that's not gonna happen. I don't I don't know. Um hopefully we can stay in a good good place with him. I mean that's those 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 are the guys that we're gonna need. Yeah. All right, this next one comes from at the CJ underscore stager who says reminding Sooner Nation to relax. I know we all want to see the results from Champion Barbecue, but we have to take last year in account. We didn't see the fruits of the labor until July. Trust BV and staff and know that the results will be there. A lot of ground made this weekend. That is a nice reminder, right? I, I feel like we were the fan base. We we were all going through a very similar feeling this time a year ago. And you ended up with a what top four recruiting class in the country. It's just it's hard. It's hard to see see into the future and think like, hey, this is all gonna work out because you didn't have the six and seven season hanging over it this time a year ago. Right. I, it, there was nothing but, hey, we're looking forward. We're looking forward. How does that change the dynamic of how these top recruits are viewing Oklahoma? That's that's what I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we've got a different philosophy than a lot of schools. Right. Venables is almost, you know, pumping the brakes on guys on commitment you know, on, on some of them, like if you can sense there's hesitation in guys and they want to go see other places, he's telling them, Hey, do not commit. If you're, if you still want to go around and see other places, I mean, it's just a different philosophy. So it lends itself to some later commitments. Um, we're also in on, I, do you look at the, what we're in on like three of the top, like 20 players or so 30 players. I mean, there's, there's some big time players that we're in on and the bigger players, it's not always, but it's a lot of times it's going to take longer. They're going to see more places. They're going to entertain more offers in IL wise. Like just some of that stuff is just going to take a little bit longer. So yeah, just remain patient. And it feels like it feels like the, the dominoes are starting to fall a little bit, right? As we've got a couple of commitments here in the last day that sounds like there's more perhaps uh, in the near future, perhaps through the weekend. So yeah, be patient. Yeah. Also had an interesting conversation this week. Feels like the NIL stuff, NIL stuff at Oklahoma is the structure, like the organization is getting, to to a better spot if that makes sense so we'll we'll see what that ends up looking like but just from some of the things that i was told kind of the plan the overall plan 
and the structure of what it's going to look like, they're feeling they're feeling a little better about where that's headed. So that's good. That needs to happen, right? And it needs to happen quickly. All right, birthday shout-outs. Happy 43rd birthday to Matt Ketcher. Happy 68th birthday to Bill Patterson. Happy birthday to Shepard James Millsap. And happy birthday to Gentry Thomas Malloy. And now we're going to do some interesting interesting college football stories. I don't know what's going on in college football. It's getting a little weird. It is. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamore. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. Quickly, one birthday shout-out correction. It is actually a welcome to the world to Gentry Thomas Malloy. I bet oh. I guess that that child was born like less than 12 hours ago. How about oh, that? Oh, nice. Nice. Well, that's awesome. Nice. Very cool. All right. College football roundup. Why does Nick Saban keep saying this stuff? I just, I don't, what is happening? Nick Saban went on Joel Klatt's podcast and said this. All we do is take the teams that win the most games at the end of the year, put them into the playoffs. But do you really get the best teams? When they told me that we would, we would be favored against three out of the four teams that got in the playoffs, I'm like, why aren't we in the playoffs? Ted, I he's the best coach of all time. You have to give him the respect that he deserves. But why does he keep bringing this up? I don't understand it, especially when the playoffs expanding a season from now. Like why does he keep saying what is, what is the what is the motive here because ultimately I don't think Nick Saban does anything by accident. What is he trying to get accomplished? Other than people saying, Nick, you realized you were favored in the two games you lost a season ago. Why do you keep being in betting lines and power rankings, all this stuff up? It clearly isn't the end-all, be-all. I feel like there is a spectrum of, of people in college football when it comes to the playoff. There are people that think we need to get the four best teams into the playoff. Like the extreme example is we need the four best teams 
it really doesn't matter what their records are. We need the four best teams with the the four most talented, the four uh, most well-coached, the four healthiest. Like, we need the four best teams. On the other side, there's we need the four most deserving teams. We need the teams that won their conference, that went undefeated. It really doesn't matter nearly as much I, who they played or how good they are, how talented they are. They earned the right to go play for a championship. And I think a lot of people kind of fit, you know, somewhere in there. Like, yeah, we want the best, but you have to have some type of, like, you had to put together a season and earn your way in. And I feel like Saban is kind of pitching the, if our goal is to get the four best teams in the playoff, then we should have been in. We're one of the four best teams. If your goal is to get the four most deserving teams, then they need to start saying that instead of saying the four best teams. I, that's kind of what I gather from it. I I just I, I find it funny because he mentions, you know, betting lines, right? When he's mentioning, hey, we would have been favored, he's mentioning betting lines, brought up power ratings, like all this stuff. And he keeps bringing it up, and you and I both know. He's telling his football team to ignore all of that stuff. Oh, you're a double-digit favorite? That doesn't matter. Like, this team can beat. You know he's doing that. So, on one hand, he's telling his players, hey, ignore all of that stuff. And then he's going on these podcasts and doing these interviews saying, no, no, we got to take that stuff into account. Which one is it, man? Does it matter or does it not? That's right. Because that that's that's how coaches are when they're addressing their team. I got to imagine some of the kids from Bama are seeing this going. Coach always tells us to not look at that stuff. And you can't cherry pick whenever you, and use the stuff you want to use when you want to use it. Right. If you're going to use it, you got to use it no matter what it says about you. Right. And coaches just don't do that. Yeah. It, I don't think anyone like would I have picked Alabama to beat TCU. There's no doubt. There's absolutely no doubt. But the thing about college football, it, it's not the NFL. There is not some even playing field, right? You are judged by your circumstances, right? If you're in the SEC, part of being in that league is you're going to be judged differently, right? Is a 10-2 and two record in the SEC like Bama had with the losses against ten Tennessee and LSU. Do I think a 10 and 2 Bama is better than a team that goes 9 and 3 in the Pac 12? Yes. I, I mean, like, clearly. Or, or, or even a team that, I meant to say it the other way, a let like an 11 and 1 team in the Pac 12. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick Bama to beat that team. But your circumstances are dictated by where you are and how you are judged with where you are in college football. That's just how this thing works. And I I just don't understand why Nick Saban keeps bringing it up. We only got one more year of this. Who cares at this point? Like, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. I don't Did get you what the, the whole goal interview? is. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll. Because that, that was kind of a small point 
like the bigger context of the question was was kind of like what's wrong with the selection process well yeah and like like trying like if if you're looking for a kind of a level playing field and to have you know um some parity in college football it's like it's totally set up wrong it was like you know I, I would be all about like, you know, changing up the way everything is broken up and getting to whether it's four, you know, divisions across the, the country that are equal. And he's like, I don't want to, you know, talk down about some of the, the non-power five schools and stuff like that. But like, you got to be honest about it. I, the resources that, that we have at Alabama are not what the rest of college football has. He's like, you know, and I'm right now where I'm at, I'm paid to dominate, right? That's what the fans at Alabama want. They want domination. So that's what we're doing. But like, there's a, there's a better way to get some, you know, some parity across the sport. But here's the thing. The top schools are never going to lo- like give up their grip of, of where they are at the top. I mean, it's just not going to happen. No. Even with the, ex- the expanded playoff is going to bring more money and everything for everyone. But to suggest that it's going to level the playing field somewhat is is not going to be the case. Yeah, and maybe and maybe that's what Saban because he said this multiple times now. Maybe that's what he's trying to get across. Basically, hey, when we expand to twelve, we should be in every year. Mm-hmm. We're going to be one of the twelve best teams every single season. And, and maybe that's what maybe that's why he wants people to look at the selection process for a 12 team playoff a little differently, maybe than they look for a four. Maybe he's just trying to secure Bama's spot every single year by saying, Hey, you need to talk. We need to consider odds makers and what they think and power ratings and all this. Like we, we need to consider that because if they start looking at it that way, and even if you factor the record in Bama will be in every single season. Yeah. Maybe that's the goal, right? But I think Bama would be in damn near every single season without Nick Saban coming out and saying this stuff. So I just. Well, and again, like his overall, I think his overall message was actually good. Like he, he was saying that, you know, like for example, the NFL, that they want parity. They want, they want everyone to have. I think he said it, they want everyone eight and eight going into the seventeenth game of the season, right? Which is because, not true. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, it kind of like you want every fan base in the sport to be invested all like deeper and deeper into the season, and, and no I think doubt. that's the good thing about the twelve team playoff is you're engaging such a larger group of fans that feel like whether there's an actual reality that they have a chance or not, like you're in the dance and you have an opportunity to go win a championship. So, I, you know, it's just, it's kind of all built around that, but yeah, it, college football, we, we just have to embrace that it's screwy as hell and it's always going to be screwy as hell. It's just, when they set it up as strangely as they did from the very beginning, I mean, it wasn't very long ago where you didn't even have a national championship game. Like you had like the biggest sport in the country 
was voted on for a national championship. That's the dumbest shit ever. And it was like that way for a hundred years. It's incredible. They used to pick the national champion before they even played bowl games. How stupid is that? I mean, so like whenever you start with that screwed up of a system and do it for a hundred years that way, it's hard to undo any of that. You know, it's always going to be weird. Yeah. I, I just think the most accomplished coach in the history of the sport, who's got the most talented roster in the history of sport saying all this stuff. I'm just like, really? <laughs> I mean, uh, Nick Saban is going to be the voice for parody in college football as he stockpiles five-star after five-star after five-star there in Tuscaloosa. I don't know, man. It just, I get he, he's Nick Saban. He can say what he wants, but. Is that the first year they missed the playoff? I'd have to, yes. Because I'm sitting here. Maybe that's why he's pissed. That's what I'm thinking. It's like, why is he so hung up on last year? You know, like he's the. Yeah, uh, he's the like the epitome of moving on. Like, remember when they won a championship and he's pissed that he l- lost time recruiting, you know? So it's weird that he's so hung up on last year. It's okay, Nick. It's all right. Everything's gonna be all right, Nick. All right. Uh next thing we're gonna hit. We ever gonna get this EA Sports College football video game? EA getting sued. And I I wanna make something very clear. I think the game's gonna get made. I think it's going to get distributed. I think we're going to be very happy, right? We're going to we're going to be able to play it. But when this got announced, we we said, "Hey, this could be complicated from an NIL standpoint, right? You got to work with all these individuals, get them to sign up, get them to agree to the amount, and then you get this whole Brander Group lawsuit." Now, do you do you see this? Yeah. So just to explain it real quickly, the Brander Group is they have some group licensing deals with some significant schools in college athletics. They've got deals with Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and and several others. And when it comes to the development of the video game, the Brander Group was hoping to get a group licensing deal with EA to do the video game. But EA ended up going with a company called One Team Partners for it. So now, and One Team Partners and EA have been working with trying to, you, we all, we talked about, hey, kids can opt in individually, right? Well, the Brander Group looks at it and goes, hey, you're ignoring us. You're trying to work directly with these players of these schools that we have contracts with when it comes to group licensing. That ain't it. We're suing you. And so I I don't know what's going to come of this, but this thing continues to get more complicated and more complicated. We don't deserve the game. In my opinion. Because you got every tick and leech out there. How much money do they think this game makes? You know? It doesn't make, like, when you start seeing video game numbers, I there's some video games out there that do huge numbers. This is not one of them, okay? Madden is not one of them. 
I'm not saying that they don't make money. They do okay, but they're not anywhere close to the top video games. And I, it's it's not. I, I don't know. I'm no uh, legal expert, but if you approach someone to do a deal, and and you, I, it's not up to them to go through the agent. It's up to the player, right? I mean, if someone approaches you like that's that's between the player and who's representing them. I just think it's stupid. I think that like what they're what they first proposed to give all of the players is incredible. That's a lot of guys. I mean, there's a ton of players in college football. If you want to have the players represented in the game, like that's kind of the number where it has to be for things to make sense. And every schools want to get involved in licensing and the players. It's just a shit show that I hate hearing about. Do you want people playing a game, getting college football out to more people, getting more people interested in what the sport is? Or do you want to chop it up, piece it up, and just like bog the thing down with deals and agreements and lawsuits to where it never gets made? It's the epitome of the United States right now. It's a quagmire of shit. Everything is just, it's, it sucks. You can't do anything. It's stupid. I hate it. It pisses me off. I don't think we deserve it. I hope we get it though. I do too. I'm just not hopeful. I, I think it'll end up all working out. I do wonder, you know, you got all these players at, and those are big time schools, right? Bama, Ohio state, Georgia. I mean, how many of these players even know that the Brander group exists and has their group licensing rights? They probably none of them. Right. If you, I mean, if you, if we saw this like unofficially whenever all of this stuff came out, like, I don't think I saw one player say, I want my money. I saw everyone saying, give me the 500 bucks. I can't wait for the game. Right. Right. Like if you pulled college football, does someone ever even think to ask the players what they would like to do? Of course not. You know, it's just a, oh, I hate and, it. and that, that's the thing when, and I was reading a couple articles on this. It's like the Brander group's whole thing is, oh, no, no, no. We, we're, do, this lawsuit's for the players because we would get them a better deal. And that may be the case, but don't, don't make it sound like, hey, you, you you're, you're about the players. A better deal. Yeah. yeah. It's about getting your cut. That's, that's what this is. I mean, this is, this is about business now. Now I also, I understand the frustration of the brand group, right? Hey, we've got these contracts for group licensing, licensing with these schools. Do these contracts just, they don't matter. I, I yeah. In my opinion, no, they don't matter. It, and so I get their frustration. If you want but, the game to happen, they, they can't matter. Yeah. I, we just want the game. Let's make it. Let's not make it so complicated. Just just let it happen, people. But you're right, Ted. Everyone, everyone wants their peace, man. And that is that's where 
the NIL piece of things, it gets really complicated when you start talking about what deals universities have and athletic departments have when it comes to their sponsorships, their partnerships, the contracts they have in place. And then the players trying to do their thing where they're really not aware of much of any of that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they say, Hey, no, no, no. The school says you can't do that. And they go, wait, wait, wait. I thought I was in control of my name, image and likeness. And that's where the school goes. Well, kind of, you see, when you sign this, it means you can't do that. Well, I would, if I was EA sports, I would kind of rethink things. I would say we're making the game. Okay. You can pay us and we'll put you in the game or you're not going to be in the game for schools. All right. Well, we're going to put, we're going to put who wants to be in the game. We're going to put them in the game. If you want to be a part of it, if you want people to see your brand and you want people to, to play with Oklahoma every day and go in there and, 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 you know, see that branding all the time and see that stadium and see the, all of the things that you have, you can pay us. We'll, we'll, you pay us and we'll let you be in the game. If you don't, if you don't want to pay us, you're not in it. We'll move on without you. And you start going about it that way. I think things change really quickly. We want $1 and we will put your team and your players in the game. $1. That's all we want. As opposed to them having to divvy up all these different things and work through all the licensing. That would be, I can't imagine the the schools would be very happy getting that phone call, but I love where your head's at. Like, hey, this is getting ridiculous. It's getting too complicated. Take it or leave it. Yeah, I remember, uh, you're too young for this. I think it was called like RBI Baseball on original Nintendo. It's just the worst baseball game you could ever imagine, like as far as <laughs> graphics and everything. But all of the team names are like loosely close to what the Major League Baseball team is. And like the top players, like you could you could like figure it out. It's far enough away to where they can claim it's not, but it's close enough to where you could figure out who you're playing with. You can almost figure out who you're playing with by like their body size and stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's like at some point you just do that, you know, the, the Oklahoma wagons, the wag. Exactly. The Oklahoma the wagons. wagons. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. And you can either, you can either pay us to be in the game and we'll have all of your stuff. We'll have the perfect color for your team. Or you're going to be the red wagons. I I would love to be on the creative team for that. Like if that was the route they went, hey, you're playing with the Oklahoma wagons. This is this is your quarterback, Daniel Aloha. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that would be so much fun to be uh, able to go through each roster and come up with a funny, like, hey, connect the dot name for each person. Oh, that's so funny. The names of the teams would be it's probably would be better than the uh the original. That's the so Alabama funny. elephants. The oh. elephants. That's great. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I think it's gonna get worked out. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But it's it is getting to I 
I knew it was going to get complicated, but it's too, it's, it just keeps getting more and more annoying. And I, we all just want the game. Yep. Last thing. Do you see this story about this quarterback that's headed to Ole Miss? I, I think I saw the headline and just kind of skimmed over it. So Austin Simmons, he was committed in Florida's class of 2025. He has reclassified to the class of 2023, so two classes, and is enrolling at Ole Miss like now, enrolling now. And I guess this guy got a big brain on him. He was a homeschooled kid, has a 5.34 GPA. How that is determined, I've got no idea. But he can't be stupid, right? I sounds like a smart kid, but have we have we gone too far with the hey, you're a quarterback, you need to get on campus early? Like this kid is 17 years old. And he's reclassifying two classes to get to Ole Miss, who, by the way, has a loaded quarterback room from what I've been able to gather. I, I just – are we doing too much, man? Yeah. You've been his last two years of high school? Yeah. That is – the the age thing is an interesting matchup there. He seems old. He must have been held back at – I, I'm not going to pretend I have a ton of knowledge of how homeschooling works. Right. But clearly an older guy to be going into his junior year of high school at yeah. 17 already. But that's also something like more and more people are holding their kids back. Right. Mm -hmm. Holding their kids back thinking, hey, this could this could help them. They can be more physically and emotionally mature. Maybe it leads to a college scholarship like that is. That's a very real conversation that a lot of parents have, including my wife and I have had that conversation. Mm -hmm. Our our son just turned two. He's a June birthday. Do we want him to be old or do we want him to be super young for his grade? Yeah, that's how my son's August birthday. And like not even thinking about sports, everyone told us that with boys, you, it's good to do it anyways, I guess. But what do you say to don't just say to a kid pump the brakes that's what i'm saying like lane kiffin you've got all these guys in your quarterback room right what he's got now spencer sanders is as old as you and i but he's got spencer sanders jackson dart and the walker howard kid remember he he's at Ole miss you need you need this kid to skip his last two years of high school and I guess he's going to play baseball at Ole Miss, too. So the kid must be a hell of an athlete. Yeah. But with the guys you've got, you need him in as a 17-year-old two years early? I I don't know. It just didn't sit right with me. Now, clearly the kids, he's think he's making the best decision for himself or else he wouldn't do it. But I just, geez. I guess here's the thing that I don't know is, like, so if you're homeschooled, you play on like a isn't there like a like a homeschool in the area team that's put together and that how that works? That's that's how it worked when I would we would play basketball against a homeschool team here in Oklahoma City. They're called like the Oklahoma City Storm or something like that. So can you either do that or you can find like a team that's closest to you to play with or yeah, I don't I don't know. Remember the there's the what the defensive lineman that 
OU's recruiting as a homeschooled guy, right? Oh, I don't know. What one? Stone? No, not Stone. The other. It, he's. Oh, gosh. Nigel oh. Smith? No. Well, I, I guess the only thing I would say, like as a coach, I would typically say, hey, develop, take at least another year to develop. You'll get Okoye. More, uh, Danny Okoye. Okay. God, um, I cannot remember his name. You'll get way more individual work and one-on-one work, reps, everything. If you stay in high school at least another year, develop. Because if you come here, like, let's be realistic. You're going to be like fourth on the depth chart and throwing scout team. I mean, but they're not realistic with recruits, right? You yeah, think you could start. You're also... You're 17 years old and you're in college. Yeah. And I know I'm not going to pretend, hey, there aren't ways to work around the laws. I'm not going to pretend that. But you think the seniors, the 22-year-olds, want to hang out with the 17-year-old? I I just don't. And once again, it's his decision, his family's decision. You've got to assume they're making it because they think that is what is best for him. Right? And I get that, but man, it just, it feels like a little much, you know, on the other side of things, I, if he's that smart, I, there may be a, a, a piece of it. It's like, this kid is bored with everything, right? Like he needs he needs a challenge. Like he needs, he needs some more stimulation. Like it's, it's time, you know, like there's some of that too. I thought of that. I thought of that. I was like, maybe he's a, you know, hyper intelligent guy, a two sport athlete at the five, three, four GPA. I mean like that, it's an impressive young guy, right? There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. But if I've got a hyper intelligent guy, I said it to him to Ole Miss. I'm just saying. Well, I, I'm just saying, man. I just said, like, if it was Stanford, I it. As far as I know, Mississippi is not some tremendous. Does not have some tremendous reputation of being a place where just you, you send geniuses. That I could be wrong. I'm not familiar with Ole Miss's academic requirements, but I'm just you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. And there's also a part of it, it's like Lane Kiffin is not like he probably ranks out of 130 Div- division one coaches, head coaches. He's probably triple digits as far as like who you would consider an intellectual type of coach, right? You know, he just doesn't put off that type of vibe. Um, so you got a dual sport athlete here that's, you know, been held back multiple years, maybe. Good baseball player, top quarterback. There's also a part of me that thinks like the person issuing the homeschool test was was really smart too, you know. Yeah. Like that five point three four. What are we talking about here? 
I I don't know how that testing works, but hey, Austin Simmons, it's a name to remember, right? This is this is a bit unusual. We've seen guys reclassify one class, but two classes and then enroll right away. I we'll be keeping tabs on them, that's for sure. Uh, it's an interesting story. Yeah. I'm I have I'm I'm getting like travel ball parent vibes. It's like, hey, if we homeschool him, he can play baseball 23 hours a day and spend an hour on schoolwork. You know, <laughs> if he's, if he's homeschooled, we could, we can go to Arizona and California and hit all of the, the travel ball tournaments all over the world. That that's literally my nightmare as a parent. <laughs> the first dad that comes up to me with that, like, Hey, yeah, you know, we've got this travel ball team. Yeah, you your son. Like I'm gonna say, hey man, that my son's gonna be a kid. He's gonna be a kid. I'm, I'm sorry, we're not we're not traveling every weekend of the summer to go play some baseball. It just hey, it ain't happening. Don't know if you guys are interested or not, but there's this uh, five week tournament down in Brazil <laughs> that you know we're putting a, a group together to go down. It's supposed to be a lot of really good competition there. Yeah, no thanks. You you sound like you're coming from a little bit a little bit of experience here, buddy. Yeah. I are we're travel we're a travel baseball family and it's strict 20 minute travel time. That's if it's within 20 minutes, we'll do it. Outside of that, no. <laughs> Love that. Totally gonna use that. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica compares coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Insurica's goal is to help you avoid a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and control your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, Connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kicks off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? This one was interesting. Matt Campbell. Did you see this this thing in his contract? Yeah. Matt Campbell's got a, a provision in his contract that if Iowa State raises their academic standards for entry, his contract dissolves and is done on the spot, which is, I mean, from all angles, it is, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Like it tells me there must've been, there must've been some real thought 
put in by Iowa State to doing that. And the only thing I could think of, and I don't know anything about Iowa State athletics, is the Big Ten has like a, you know, like what the is the AAU rating or whatever? They have some type of standard and like group of universities that that you have to be in in order to be in the Big Ten. I think like that's the only thing I would think of, of why he would be so adamant about putting that in a contract. I I am curious as to how many other coaches have a similar provision. Yeah, in their contract, it it could be kind of standard. Yeah. or coaches at a public university and really we really just don't know it but yeah because remember Nebraska was an AAU school I think that's what it's called I think that's right and then they got to the Big Ten and then they lost their accreditation or whatever and the Big Ten was like oh man okay <laughs> but I yeah that's interesting because and I don't think the Big Ten not to insult Iowa State I don't think they'd ever be interested and yeah, Iowa State, not, it's a very small. Like you're not like when they add teams, like like the new. I don't. I saw this. I don't know how much truth there is to it, but apparently the battle is going to be between the Big Ten and the SEC for North Carolina and Virginia, right? Because very good schools, very good schools, and markets that they you don't have any representation in, and they're they're there's some decent sized television markets right you've got there's not a big television market in iowa and you've already got representation there with the university of iowa so it's it's like they're you know good school good basketball school good football school but not a lot of eyeballs not going to be interested i just i thought that that was really interesting for uh for matt campbell and i thought hey smart of him to uh Anything that you can put in your contract that says it d- dissolves at this point kind of in your favor is is a good thing. I will say this. I've talked to Jamie Pollard, their athletic director, a lot. We have him on the our, our serious show all the time. And he's told us multiple times. Pretty much anything that Matt Campbell wants, he gets there. Yeah. So if anyone is out there wondering why hasn't he made the move, it's because he literally gets to do whatever he wants. And then leave him alone. He never does interviews. He never does like he just gets to live his life. I think he coaches. Can't remember if it's softball or volleyball, but he like coaches his daughter's team. Nice. <laughs> so it's like he just. I, I think his quality of life there is very very high. Right. So I they they got to win some football games. Well, let's they 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 got to get back on track, but. It's a, it's a, it's not an easy job. He's, he's done really good since he's been there, but you know, it's like, if you don't get over that hump, you almost have to reset and start again. And they're one of the harder teams to kind of gauge what this upcoming year is going to be like, because I don't, I, they're not as bad as what the record was last year. Right. You know? And so I, it's hard to forecast moving forward, like who they're going to be. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I had to go ORU. They're out mm. of it. They're out of it. And uh, it was cool that they, they made it. It was awesome to see, you know, Oklahoma represented again in a small school there. They've got a really good baseball program. And first time that was 78, I think, whenever uh, they last had gone. But did you happen to catch the game against TCU? 
Yeah, I watched a good, good bit of it. Did you see how it ended? Listen uh, to this. They're down 6-1, okay? Bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, ORU's up, um, 6-1, bases loaded, two outs, full count, okay? It, you know, if you throw a ball, you walk in a run, and the tying run comes to the plate. Uh, the batter takes the last pitch. Mm. Inner half, dirt, season over. You, you can't, can't do it. Do, you just cannot do that. Can't do that. You know he's firing a fi- fastball right down the pipe. Like, here it comes. Even if, if you hit a home run and empty him, it's 6-5, right? And the tying run's coming to the plate, right? The, they're not going to walk someone in and try and get you to chase something. Here it comes. I, You got to get the bat off your shoulder right there. That was a frustrating way for it to end. Not that, you know, they're in a really bad spot anyways, but that was not how you wanted the uh, the very last pitch of the season to go. No, no, I I won't lie. I turned it off when it was six to nothing. I think yeah. it was like the fifth inning. I was like, hey, I got some stuff to do. I missed the dramatic ending. You, well, you can't it take in that situation. Come on, man. No, 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 no. It wasn't all that dramatic. Like I was, it was happened to be on while I was doing my radio show in studio. And I had like dismissed it and looked back up there and I was like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. We got a little something here. And then. I watched that at bat, and I was, all I could do is just be like, "No, you cannot do that in that spot, man." I don't know. It's wild. I hated uh, it for him, but good season. Yeah, hell of a run, and they didn't finish last in the Jello shots thing. Yeah, congrats to Virginia. <laughs> yeah, it was. What the, they had like five hundred uh, the last time I heard. Yeah, it was not not a good performance. Which is a lot of Jello shots, but still. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to my winner and loser, but. First, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated. They got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a new used car from them. All you have to do is get all of the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership, and if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Ladies and gentlemen, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Victor Wimbanyama. Just he's about to go number one in the NBA draft. That's got to be an awesome feeling. Got getting to do all the cool stuff. 
right? Going around New York City. Did you see him on the subway? That was just, that was a hilarious visual. Throughout the first pitch of the Yankees game. Now, honestly, people, some people are giving him a hard time for it. With that length, man, it was kind of better than I thought it was going to be. Did you see the picture of the baseball in his hand? Oh, my gosh. It's that's a big hand. I mean, you you get into like the. I always remember Shaq shooting free throws, and he's like trying to balance the ball in his huge hand. I it's it's got to be. I I'm sure big hands is a good thing for being a pitcher, but you reach a point of diminishing return somewhere, right? right? <laughs> yeah, it's insane, and he went on he went on JJ Reddick's podcast. Ty is extremely insightful for what is he 19 years old? Huh? I need to check that out. Yeah, check it out. He's it's, it's really interesting. Uh, like seems like a bit of a deep thinker. Also, every time I see him, like he's dressed really cool. I, I think he, it's hard to be cool when you're that big and goofy. Yeah. But I think he's cool. Like, I don't know if it's because he's French. I don't know if that helps, but he, uh, I don't know. He puts off a cool guy aura to me, which I did not expect from a seven foot five Frenchman. Well, yeah. The only thing you expect out of anyone that is seven foot five is incredibly awkward. Yeah. Strange. Uh, like have a, maybe a weird personality because everyone that looks at him is like, Whoa, Whoa. You know? <laughs> so, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with this guy? So probably like, you would you would understand if he's a little you know drawn back and and cautious, but that's cool. I'm, I need to check that out. Yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation for sure. But my winner of the week, Los Angeles Angels fans. Which what I don't think they've been to playoffs in like eight years, so it's it's rare that they get winner of the week. Actually playing some good baseball. Currently in one of the wild card spots there in the AL, but the reason I've got him as my winner. Their GM actually came out and basically said, hey, we're in contention. We're doing pretty good. I don't think we're planning on trading Otani, which he didn't exactly come out and say, hey, we're not going to trade Shohei Otani, but it's better than anything we've heard from them in a while, right? If you're an Angels fan, you got to like hearing that, hey, yeah, we're at least considering not trading him. You know what I mean? Dude is insane. Can you imagine being an Angels fan would be like would be like having Patrick Mahomes and I I don't know who's who's the next like best player at a different position Miles Garrett yeah like having the two best players in the NFL on your team. And not only not making the playoffs, not ever getting close to making the playoffs, never even be close to being in contention. It's the weirdest thing ever, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's got to be frustrating. But it is. I mean, the trade rumors have been there for a long time, right? With the lack of success that the Angels have had. But now that they're actually in contention, it it's interesting because... Otani scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent. You you risk losing him for nothing, which if you're the Angels, like that is the worst case scenario. 
but I I don't really know what they can do right now. They're playing good baseball, and Otani leads. I saw this on ESPN. He leads Major League Baseball in home runs, RBI, slugging percentage, and also opponents' batting average <laughs> as a pitcher. I mean, the well, guy is the guy's I, insane. A similar thing. I saw this. Here's what he leads the Angels in stats. Runs, hits, home runs, average, OPS, RBIs, stolen bases, RC. I don't even know what that is. What's uh what's RC? I don't, I don't know. know. ERA, wins, strikeouts, batting average against. Runs Almost created. RC. Almost every single statistic that there is, he leads the Angels. That's crazy. Yeah, he's really good at baseball. I, If you're an Angels fan, you have a little hope, though it kind of felt for a while that he was going to be gone. He's going to be in a Dodgers jersey or a Yankees jersey or wherever. Padres, who knows? But Ooh, Padres, little glimmer of hope. Little glimmer of hope for a Los Angeles Angels fan. All right, for my loser of the week, thought about going with the rest of the NBA because Vasily Micic actually came. I don't know. I've heard his name said like 10 different ways. So I, I Micic, Micic, I, I don't know. But the guy's 6'5 and he can ball. He's been awesome over in that Turkish league. Uh, he's been really, really good in Euro league. I mean, the guy can play. 6'5", can handle, can shoot, and the Oklahoma City Thunder have his rights. We'll see what the Thunder does in the draft. Does he end up being something they can move as an asset? Does he actually want to play for the Thunder? I don't, I don't know, but it was a step in the right direction. He, he's 29 years old. I think the, oh, he doesn't match the timeline of the team. I think that thing is, I think that talking point is way overblown. The guy can play. So I don't know. It was exciting news. When you hear one of the best European basketball players is in Oklahoma City, it's not something you hear every day, Ted. No. And that name sounds like a hitman for like the Russian mafia or something, too, doesn't it? I mean, it's like a it's an intimidating name. I know. I, I like it. I, I do too. I want him to play for us. Yeah. Well, um, that would be very good. I, I mean that That'd be an awesome piece. Experienced yeah. guy, played a bunch of high-level basketball. That'd be good. Yeah, so we'll see what comes of it. But uh, better better news than they have had since they acquired rights. I think that was like 2020 with the, in, in a 76ers trade. But my loser of the week, what are you doing, San Diego State University? What is happening? So here's the situation. If San Diego State wants to leave their conference, the Mountain West, they have to send an official notice before June 30th. And the buyout would be 17-ish million dollars if they give notice after June 30th, right? This is all in the Mountain West bylaws. That buyout doubles to 34-ish million dollars with how the conference distributions are looking. So from what I understand, they sent a letter to all of the presidents in the Mountain West and the commissioner 
saying they wanted to discuss extending the exit fee deadline to the end of July. And if the other members, they wanted to know, would they consider lowering the buyout fee or allowing them to pay it over several years as opposed to all at once? Everyone in the Mountain West gets this letter and naturally interprets it as, hey, you guys are leaving. Which I think we all wouldn't interpret it that way. San Diego State says, no, no, no. They send out letter three and say, no, 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 no. We, this was not an official notice that we want to leave. We actually, we're just trying to explore all our options and gather information. Ted, I assume the people that run San Diego State have a lot of letters after their name. I assume they are very smart people. How can smart people do something this stupid? I don't understand. Well, because they are someone's dangling the the carrot in front of them, and that's the Pac-12, right? They're all excited about, wow, we have an opportunity to, to be in a Power 5 conference. Oh, my gosh, let's – the timing is it's going to be so tight. What do we do? Let's ask for a, an extension. I, really, the, the pact, I, if I was in San Diego State shoes, I'd be like, listen, you guys have to get something done right now. If you don't, like, you can, like, if you're going to pony up, why don't you guys pay our, our exit fee, right? It's $17 million, It doubles. Like, if you guys don't get a media rights deal done right away and it goes up $17 million on us, you guys pick that up and we're, we're still at square one. I mean, that's what I'd be negotiating for. Yeah. it It's not a great look for San Diego State, but it's also not a great look for the Pac-12. I know. That's it's... the thing. And that's how I would leverage it. I'd be like, you know, if you guys don't want to do that, then we'll just go out to the nearest journalist and be like, yeah, the Pac-12, it's not looking good for them. I think we're going to stay in the Mountain West. It's just they can't get a ride still. Everything's crumbling around them. Right now, we think it's in our best interest to stay in a non-Power 5 conference. That would not be a great look for George Klyavkov. And that continues to be – no one really knows what's going on with that media rights deal. But uh, Chris Vanini had a great article – uh, for the athletic. So I thought the San Diego state, like the letters confusion and saying it wasn't an official notice. I thought that was bad. And then I read this in Vanini's article. So I guess when, with the way that the mountain West works, when you give notice that you are leaving, that automatically removes your school president from the mountain West conference board of directors. So, San Diego State's president is no longer on the Mountain West board. And right now, their Mountain West distribution is going to be withheld as part of the exit fee, even though they may not have anywhere to go. You talk about a self-inflicted disaster. <laughs> it's like, no, no, that wasn't official. Oh, well, we interpret it as an official, and this happens, and this happens, and that's how it works. I was like, oh, my gosh. So, hmm. They're not uh, even in the room getting to hear the other people make fun of them, which has to be a horrible feeling. That seems like 
That seems like a massive reach by the Mountain West like to say, no, you're not on the board anymore. Like, I mean, there has to be an, like, if it's not, if they don't officially declare, like, that's like a thing, you know? I don't, that seems like a big, a big reach. I, it seems like more of a threat than it is realistic. Yeah, you know, I, th- I guess I haven't seen the letter, but it sounds to me like there's no way that would hold up, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But clearly, just from what I gathered from Benini's article, like just something bad for San Diego State, even worse than I thought. And and I also think when you talk about them making the move to the Pac-12, right, because it doesn't sound like the Big 12 is interested at this point in time in San Diego State. And maybe, maybe Brett Yormark could take advantage of all this chaos and say, hey, San Diego State, Come to the Big 12. We'll get into the Pacific time zone like we've been wanting to get. But you get a half share. Your time here. Maybe he can get them at a discount. Yeah. Right? And give them a sense of security. Say, hey, you're only going to get 50% or 75% or whatever when you come. But we, we're we stable. We know what it looks like going forward when the Pac-12, like, were you really going to wait on them? to get it done and maybe San Diego state will, because obviously the location makes a lot more sense for them to be a PAC 12 team, but it also feels like they've got to wait for the PAC 12 to get the media rights deal done. And then they got to wait for Colorado or Arizona or whoever to decide whether they want to stay or leave. I'm not sure if San Diego state has a spot. If everyone stays, maybe they do, but it almost feels like not only are they waiting on the Pac-12, they're waiting on other Pac-12 schools to decide to leave, probably most notably Colorado for the Big 12. It just feels like a terrible position to be in. Yeah, it's 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 tough. Um, but, yeah, your mark, you're right. I mean, that would be an interesting – now, geographically, I think a lot of people kind of get caught up in that. It's like you got – you got West Virginia and you got San Diego. That's tough. Um, but hey, USC is going to play Rutgers. That's true. I mean, San Diego State, I mean, they've had really good basketball program at times. They've been really solid at football at times. I don't know what they are at baseball, but I don't know. It's just playing the it, national championship game in basketball. So, yeah, I mean, that's, it's an interesting, be an interesting pickup. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this San Diego state's leadership, not having a good time right now with everyone making fun of them. Nope. Not looking good. Who knows? Maybe they end up coming out of this thing. Uh, and, and everything works out, but right now could be independent. Hey, how about that? San Diego state independent. Sure. Sure. On that note, episode 329 in the books we'll have a new podcast that'll drop on sunday just a reminder you can hear teddy from three to six on 94 7 the ref you can hear me on sirius xm big 12 radio channel 375 hope you all have a great rest of your week have an awesome weekend until next time we appreciate y'all for listening well you always do take care of each other
just one.